Full send with the driver? Check. Piercing iron through the wind? Check. Low checker, high spinner, flop to a tight pin? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them all. The all-new TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern, engineered for more distance, more control around the green, and better stability in the wind, it's the hottest tour ball in golf. So no matter what shot you face, there's one ball that's better for all. The TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, uh, managers, leaders, sales professionals, uh, really um, all sorts of folks who have anything to do with making a business successful. Uh, And that is really because of the guests who join me. These are people with expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me for a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. That way you can get what you need, and you can leave the rest, but you can get what you need and take it and put it into your business so that you can be more successful and happier. Today is no different. Uh, My guest today is Liz Whitehead. Liz is the CEO of 12.5, a business development consultancy that specializes in guiding diverse businesses to leverage their certification and benefit from corporate supplier diversity initiatives. Her clients include Fortune 500 companies, as well as certified business enterprises who are invested in making the most of their certification. Thanks so much for joining me today, Liz. Thank you, Diane. I'm so glad we're going to be talking about this subject of, uh, you know, corporate diversity and government plans and whatnot, because I think as much as I'll say that I think the government tries to talk about them and major corporations try and talk about them, I think it's still something that is a little fuzzy for a lot of small business owners. I think you're absolutely right. I often say that certification is one of the best kept secrets in B2B enterprise sales. And so anything I can do to make that less opaque for people, I'm happy to do. Oh, it's so terrific. So can we start with 
you um, describing for the audience the difference between corporate supplier diversity programs and government small business programs, please? Absolutely. So government small business programs, that's usually what people are familiar with when I talk about this. Um, they Government agencies actually have a mandate to do a certain amount of business with small businesses. Uh, they also have specific programs designated for underrepresented business owners, like women-owned businesses and 8A businesses. And those government programs often uh, have set-asides. So there's different, you can actually say, okay, this piece of business is set aside for a woman-owned business or an 8A business or even a hub zone business. So a business that's located in a historically underutilized business zone. So that's the government side. On the corporate side, it operates a little differently in that there aren't necessarily mandates for these companies to do business with diverse suppliers. They started doing this back in the 60s as an extension of the civil rights era to say, we wanna address these disparities, these social disparities, so we're gonna start a program for minority business owners. And then women came along a little later and now there's disability-owned businesses, veteran-owned businesses, and LGBT-owned businesses that are all included. So right there, you can already see, okay, there's a little difference in, you don't have to be a small business necessarily to participate in the government programs, but there are different certification entities based on what your business looks like and what the ownership is. Okay, that's great, thank you. Sure. So, Um, how do I want to ask this question? So if, if there's somebody listening and they would want to be able to do business and they're, they're you know, categorized under diverse and they'd like to do business with some of these major corporations who have decided that they want to start having some supplier diversity, do they need to have a government certification in order to be attractive to those companies? That's, that's a really good question. So the, the federal government does, uh, there are certain organizations that provide certifications that are accepted by the federal government. So for the most part in the federal government, you self-certify as a small business. Um, the 8A designation is a little bit more structured as is the women-owned small business. For the corporate side, there are five third-party entities that provide the most recognized certifications for the different groups I mentioned. So they're not actually government agencies necessarily that are certifying you, but independent organizations that are out there to help different, these different diverse companies make the most of their certifications. Oh, okay. That's really yep. interesting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. I often find when I'm talking about this, it actually, people have an idea of what it is. And then as the more I talk, they're like, oh, that actually raises even more questions. Yeah. <laughs> more complicated than I thought. <laughs> and that's part of the problem is it's complicated. So I think a lot of people go, oh, okay, you know what? I'll deal with this later. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and they never get to it. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I am one of those people actually. So, okay, so. What is 
the number one thing would you say that diverse businesses should be taking advantage of or should do to take advantage of these programs? Like, right. what do we do? I, I, think the, I think the first thing is to seek out a program or event where, where an organization is bringing the corporate procurement people together along with the diverse businesses to see if there's a there there for you. I know a lot of people think, well, I'm not certified, so I'm not going to go to this event. But the national conferences that they hold, which vary in different locations all over the country every year, offer an opportunity for you to say, okay, I'm not certified now, but if I were to get certified, what does it look like? Who are the kind of people that I can expect to be there? Are my buyers and decision makers going to be at these conferences? So that's usually the first thing I recommend, which is, okay, is there an organization or an event in, local to you that you can go to and check out before you make an investment in the certification and the broader supplier diversity programs? Wow, yeah, that's a great idea, and I, I never would have thought of that. Can, can you give me an example of what – uh, this these kinds of organizations are yes absolutely so i i mentioned um the five major certification organizations one is WeBank, which is the women's business enterprise national council and that certifies women-owned businesses um the other is the national minority supplier development council or nmsdc the organization that certifies gay and lesbian, bisexual and transgendered business enterprises is the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, or NGLCC. Then there's the NVBDC for veterans and Disability Inn for disability-owned businesses. And I would go to those websites first and then see, okay, there's a calendar of events on each one. Is there something happening near me where I can check this out? That's terrific. That, that is such a great idea. Okay. So on the flip side of that, what are some common misperceptions people have about these programs? I think the first one is, you know, as I mentioned before, a lot of these organizations originated out of the civil rights movement to address a social disparity. But now, especially on the corporate side, corporations are doing this because it actually has a positive effect on their bottom line. There have been studies that show that for every dollar the companies spend on supplier diversity programs, they get back $133 for that investment. So they're getting back 133% return on their investment in these diverse programs because it's not just about, oh, it's a nice thing to do. It's actually a critical thing for them to do when they're looking for innovative solutions, competitive pricing, excellent customer service in their supply chain. Okay, so that's what I was wondering. So it can be more cost effective for a major corporation because the overhead in a small business is small is lower. So that their pricing is probably somewhat competitive. And right. and there's more I mean small businesses are more flexible. They have more ability to adapt than bigger companies. Absolutely. The, the oh. buzzword at a lot of these conferences and events recently has been innovation. You know, if you look at 
you know, we're talking major multinational companies. If you look at them, that the the thing that, you know, they have resources, they have brands, they have customers, you know, where they really look to small business um, and to, to diverse businesses is innovation. Give me an innovative solution, something that you can turn around quickly that we can implement in a pilot program and then land and expand in our companies. That's really what the diverse suppliers have to offer that really differentiates them. That's terrific. And so people listening should realize that when they're, when they're thinking about pitching to one of these companies, they want to keep that in mind, that what they're bringing, one of the things they're bringing to the table is innovation. Absolutely. Yep. And even if you're, you know, if you're a staffing company, I think that's a big one. There's a lot of diverse suppliers that are staffing companies. You know, they're like, I provide people, you know, I provide people. What's innovative about that? What you want to think about is what is the thing, what, what is the value that your customer is going to get from that that's different from using their current supplier? So maybe that's your differentiator, but probably it's some innovative thing that you've been able to put into place that makes you a little different from somebody else. And from a value standpoint for them. And Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's a fine line. It's a fine line between providing an innovative solution and also mitigating the risk of going with a brand new supplier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Okay, so speaking of that, uh, that that's really interesting because I would think that these companies get so used to who they're working with and they can trust them and they know they have bandwidth and, and all of that, that, that it can be uncomfortable to – uh, you know, try a small business um, wondering, you know, can they handle the workload and, and are they going to be here tomorrow and, and things like that? Well, that's, that's a great comment and it's a great point. And that actually brings up one of the other myths about diverse suppliers, which is that they're all small businesses. <laughs> one of the benefits of having the, the corporate certifications beyond just the federal government designations is that there is no limit on your growth. So there are billion dollar companies that are certified as women owned businesses and minority owned businesses. Um, the, the key is that you probably, you know, if you're a startup and a or a very new business that's looking at getting into one of the big guys, there's probably a few steps before you're selling directly to them. But I would say for a government contractor or somebody like that, that's familiar with these designations, familiar with the diverse space on the government side, but maybe getting starting to outgrow their, their size limitations and thinking about how that's gonna work, the corporate space is a great place to diversify. And then you're not butting up against those problems that you mentioned, like, is this company going to be around tomorrow? It's like, well, they have a great solution. They have great past performance. They're and they're, they're just growing out of those former designations. Yeah, that's a great point. That is great. So, so So don't get stuck thinking that you're pigeonholed where the opportunity is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if, if there's a business owner listening and they're thinking, okay, I've got the certification, 
I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Can you talk some about what they can expect if they successfully leverage that certification? Absolutely. And, and I'll actually start with the process because I get a lot of questions about this. Like, well, I went to look at the paperwork and then somebody told me that they would charge me $20,000 to get through the paperwork. <laughs> and I would say um, you should probably walk away from that. <laughs> it doesn't have to cost you a ton of money to, to get the process done because it is, it's paperwork depending on the size of your company, that may be more or less tedious for you, but thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars is definitely on the high end of that. There are very reputable services that will help you process your paperwork if you have a complex ownership structure, because sometimes a legal structure that your, loyal, your lawyer will look at and say, hey, that's perfectly legal, will not necessarily be the what the certification is looking for. So for example, I see a lot of women-owned businesses that they say, oh, I didn't, I'm, I'm running this company, I'm managing this company and I'm operating this company, but I didn't even realize, I didn't read my bylaws. I didn't realize that actually I needed the unanimous consent of my partners to do X, Y, Z. So those are some things I think where if you have a pretty good handle on your paperwork, you can probably do it yourself. There are reputable organizations that can help you through that, starting with the certification organizations themselves. But, you know, it's so, but you should be aware that they are going to look through all that paperwork that you provide and <laughs> you should probably look through it too. <laughs> yeah, you should know what's going on in your company before you let someone else know what's going on in your company. Absolutely. And I do not say that to shame, to shame anybody because I've seen a lot of people. I know what it's like to just try and get through it. Um, but I would say that's the first thing to expect. Okay, that, that's great. Are, are there other like glaring things that we should, I mean, that's fabulous. I think that that is a, a terrific point. Are there other like big things we should watch out for? I think, I think the other big thing is that a lot of people think that, okay, so I'm going to, there's these representatives from the corporations whose job it is to get people like me, diverse suppliers, into the supply chain. So I'm gonna meet these people and then they're going to take my information back to the quote unquote decision makers at their company and then that's when the real conversation starts. And I would say that, and they say, okay, just gotta get past this gatekeeper and supplier diversity to get to the people that really make the decisions. And the way I've heard one supplier diversity person explain it, which is that I can't necessarily make the decision to buy from you, but I can make the decision to keep you out. Yeah. <laughs> so in that way, I am a decision maker. <laughs> and I think, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And so it's more looking at it as a bit, you are developing relationships with this person that's going to be an advocate for you going forward. And really starting that business relationship off on the right foot can get you a very strong advocate in the company who, again, is motivated to bring a company like yours into their supply chain. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up because uh, th that is a crazy thing, a crazy mindset that people have that they should realize everyone you interact with in an organization 
is either going to be an advocate or an adversary, depending on how you behave with them. Yes. Excellent. Excellent point. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to, I might have to write an article about that. Uh, that okay. would be great. I would promote yeah. it. If you write it, I, I will put it out there. <laughs> Terrific. Okay, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I, I want to continue this. Okay. Ex- Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Your Oxygen Mask First by Kevin Lawrence and The Ultimate Sale by Justin Goodbread. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Liz Whitehead about leveraging certification for bigger clients and more of them. So this is, this is, my next question is something that I have wondered about for a really long time, and it is, are there companies or business types that shouldn't get certified? Such a great question. I would say that if you are not doing B2B or enterprise sales, then the certification may or may not be for you. However, that said, I think even more like 10 years ago, I would have been like, yeah, if you are a restaurant or a hair salon where you're not going to, you're really just selling direct to consumers that the certification is not going to be immediately useful for you. That said, there's a little more of an effort now to for people to actually put themselves out there to consumers. WeBank, for example, the Women's Business Enterprise National Council has a woman-owned logo that is consumer-facing, where companies that have product-based businesses can actually put it on their packaging. And I've seen that when I've, when I've been flying and you, know, you get the little bag of pretzels and look on the back and sure enough, it says certified woman-owned company. And so companies like that, where I would have said, yeah, maybe, maybe not, um, that if you want to put yourself out there, if it's a part of your brand that you're woman owned, I would definitely, or LGBT owned or what have you, I would consider that when you're considering getting the certification and that you can really put it out there. The women owned logo too, specifically has a women owned directory. It's at womenownedlogo.com. So if you are buying corporate gifts or buying chocolates, uh, those kind of things, you can find women-owned companies that do that. And it's actually, Diane, I don't know if you've tried to do this, but it's actually kind of hard to, to find it all in one place where, oh, I just want to buy from, I want to practice what I preach. It's actually hard to find those places. So that's a good yeah. resource too. Yeah, that sounds great. I appreciate that. And I agree with you. It is hard to find. I'm a member of the of NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners. Of course, and yeah. it, it's not even easy there. So uh, this is this is great to be able to have something that because it's, it's so interesting. I'm glad I asked the question. It feels to me that we are in a in an era where more and more 
people are seeing the value in doing business with um, diverse companies, with local companies, with companies that have a mission and, a, and you know, a purpose beyond what, whatever the, uh, the product or service is. And um, so the more we can say who we are, the more we're going to appeal to different audiences maybe we weren't thinking about. Yeah, and and hiring talent, right? It's something that the yeah. people who work for us are starting to think about. So to the extent you can really quantify that and say, hey, we spend X percentage with this group of business owners every year, it's it can be a really powerful tool. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought of that. That That is right. And hiring is so... It's hard to find the good people these days because they're all working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a blessing and a curse. Yes, exactly. That is exactly right. Okay, so, so speaking of uh, challenges, what are the biggest challenges you're, you're seeing in business development for small companies? I think the biggest challenge, and this is for, from what I hear from different business coaches, it's for everybody, which is the following up. <laughs> you know, the actual yeah. relationship building part of business development. And I can't tell you how many events I go to where, you know, I, it's like, okay, I exchange cards. We talk to these people and no one ever follows up with me either. So, right. you know, where I'm the only one sending the follow-ups or at least the first one. So I think that's a huge challenge. I mean, like everyone else, business owners are, you pressed for time and they have a lot of other things on their mind. And so the client in the hand is worth more than two of the networking event. But yeah, so that, and I think it's really important just to, to focus. One thing I always tell people is to put, if you sign up for an event, you know, an event that's a, an investment of time and money, maybe it's a two day conference or something like that. When you schedule that time to go to the conference, Schedule time for a week or a couple days afterwards for the follow-up from that conference, maybe just an hour or two. But I think that really, actually, once you block that time off, it makes a huge difference both in your mindset, but then also in your prioritization of, okay, if I only have a couple hours to do this, who am I really following up with? Like, am I getting back to those, you know, salesy people that are getting in touch with me, whose business and services I may or may not need? Or am I being really focused and strategic in my approach and saying, this person was a great conversation, this person I can probably follow up within three months and so on. I love that idea. And I'm going to something tomorrow night. So I'm going to implement that idea. And that awesome. will be so much better. Yeah. I could, and I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. I hear the same thing. And, and it's because we're moving so fast and are responsible for so many things. And it's so weird to me that that's the thing that we drop. It's, it's like we, we make the investment of time and money to go to these things, and then we don't do the follow-up. It, it's sort of, why did we go? Maybe right. we're expecting the other person to do it. I don't know. Yeah, or that we're just, you know, it's like, oh, okay, if it's not sending an invoice, then it's not part <laughs> of the sales process. <laughs> Yeah, but first you have to have the relationships with people before you're going to be able to send them invoices. Exactly. Funny thing. Funny thing about business. 
Um, so, so talk to me some about selling to large enterprises and, and how it differs from other types of selling, because this is something I, I also think people don't quite have a grasp of. Yeah, I think it's different because, you know, so keeping in mind what I said before, that everyone's, everyone can be your advocate, or as you said, your adversary, that really what you're doing is you want to bring the information to the table so your advocates can help you. Um, if you, you know, if you are not talking to the person that's the end user or the buyer of your goods and services, then you actually want to come to those advocates with information about who that person might be. So where I see a lot of suppliers saying, okay, I'm talking to this major company or this major agency and saying, this is what I do. Who can you introduce me to? Mm. I would say a better approach is I typically come in at the VP level and I talk to these kind of people in your call center. And from my research online, it looks like these are the people I would need to talk to you. Do you have relationships with those people? Are you, I saw that their pain points are this, and this is the way you can present me that will shine us both in the best light. <laughs> um, and, and a lot of that comes down to having one, your past performance. So have you participated in that industry before? And then also some quantifiable benefits that your clients have received. Um, and if you don't have that yet, I would say maybe it's not time to sell a big, huge enterprise cold then. <laughs> if you can't quite quantify those benefits, then maybe work with some other suppliers to those major corporations and work your way up that ladder before you're trying to sell into the big guys. Oh, that is such a huge point. Do you find, because, well, this is what I find. People want to go after the big fish. They, they don't want to have medium size or, or small. They figure if I can land one big client, then I'll be set for life. And I don't, I'm good at what I do. I don't know why I can't get in there. But A, they don't have any track record to speak of. And B, they don't have, I mean, so that they can tell people about, but they also don't really know what it's going to be like because they haven't operated on that level. Right. I mean, the last thing that these programs want to do is put a business owner out of business yeah. with their requirements and, and all of that. You know, when you're thinking about selling to one of these larger companies, like they're looking to the business owners for flexibility on pricing, but they might not have any flexibility, right? They say, you, we're going to pay you in 90 days and yeah. we're going to require insurance at a huge amount just to set foot on our campus. <laughs> and do you have all of that in place? And we haven't even really gotten to the meat of what you're going to be doing for us. So I think the extent you can, a lot of people, a lot of business owners I talk to aren't a big fan of second tier contracting or subcontracting to other companies. Like you said, they want that, they want to be direct in with the big guys. And I certainly understand that because that's a whole different set of relationships that you're building. And at the same time, it's a really good way to learn a lot about that client that you want to be your end client. So you're not going in there saying, oh, yeah, I can do all this, but, ooh, $2 million in insurance? I can't do that. 
Okay, so talk some about how how someone would go about becoming a sub. Like, how do they find the prime uh, vendors in, in some of these situations, and, and so that they can reach out to them to see if they can get involved. I think this is also where the organizations that the certification organizations come in very handy, and it's also where the corporate representatives can be a good advocate for you. So you can sit where they say, okay, we handle, you know, we actually have a company. We might have a diverse company that does that. It's like, oh, great. Well, we have this innovative part of the solution. We have something that streamlines that so we can enhance the work that you're already doing with that big supplier. When you can make that case, um, and again, it's the same idea where this supplier diversity person is your advocate. It's just not internally, but externally with a different vendor. When you make the case for your value and they want to introduce you to that person, that's a great, that's a great connect for them. Because a lot of them also count that spend, not only their prime spend, so the direct checks that they write, but the spend that their vendors have with diverse suppliers. So if you can be part of that tier two program, that's good for them. Oh, that's interesting. And it, and I know this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, that you got to make sure that you really do have an added value. Yes, absolutely. And that's the, that's probably should be the number one thing, which is if, if you're a commodity, you know, we sell paper clips and we just sell them in at volume and there's not a value add there, then you're just going to be competing on price. And so you just have to be the lowest price. Yeah. Um, it, for most small business owners, most business owners I see in this space, there's an added value. There's a component of the, the time that your thought leadership that they're getting, your brand that you're building. And when you're looking at someone whose job is to buy a whole bunch of different things in a whole bunch of different industries, then you just need to say, okay, this is why I matter <laughs> when yeah. you're looking at all these other companies. Right. So, so one of the things I'm hearing is you got to make sure that you do your homework and you know what's going on. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's another value of these organizations is you get, you can meet your competitors. You can meet the other people in your space that are doing this. I actually introduced a woman to certification. She wasn't certified. She got certified. And then um, 10 years later, someone who was you know, quote unquote, her competitor actually bought her company. And now she works for another woman owned company that was in the same industry. So there's a lot of research and due diligence you can do by being a part of these groups. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. Wow. I mean, there is, there is so much here. So Are there are there certifications that you think are valuable, maybe on a different level? For example, I've heard that becoming certified in your state as uh, a woman-owned or minority-owned business can be valuable just to do business with the businesses in your state or with the government entities in your state. It It's absolutely valuable depending on your client. So I would say it 
typically starts with your clients and where can certification be a booster for you and where has the lack of certification been a barrier? Okay. So one of the, the certification organizations I mentioned before, the, the five, what the benefits of them is that they're nationally recognized. So you can, yeah, I'm in Maryland, I can be certified in Maryland, but I can do business with a company in Seattle that recognizes that same certification. Uh, if you, depending on where you are locally, that might be good enough. So even if, if you're, let's say you're doing business with a state university and they say, oh, do you have your state certification? You might say, I, do, I don't have that one, but I do have this other nationally recognized one. They may or may not accept that one, right? Uh, um, yeah, right. Yeah, but the benefit of state certifications is that they're usually free or very low cost. Um, the certifications I mentioned all have a fee associated with them. Um, and a lot of them are tiered depending on your revenues. But the state certifications are usually free or low cost. Um, so that, that might be a benefit, again, depending on your clients. If you're only going to do business in your state, that's probably good enough. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's great. That, that is great. This is, this is just, I, I have to say that one of the things I appreciate most about this is the clarity that I know I now have around the certification bodies, but the reasons to get certified and then really what to do with it once you, or even before you get it. I, I love that idea of going to the conference and saying, are these the kinds of clients that I want to have at, before you go through the process? Right. Right. Wow. That is great. I, I really appreciate this. So if there was one thing that you wanted to be sure the listeners heard or do or whatever, and you can only pick one when it comes to certification, what do you think it would be? I think the one thing I would say is if you're going to get it, really use it. <laughs> so, and part of that is understanding what, what using it means, but I would say, go to, go to your local programs, go to your national programs and be prepared to learn and develop relationships. Um, and, and that's how you can really use it. That's great. I love that. I love that. Because your focus is really then on building, continuing to build the community around your business and, and knowing that that is a great place to, that's a great community to be part of for your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I see so many people where they think about business development. It's like, okay, business development is networking. I get all my cards and then I do sales. And it's like, whoa, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of steps in between. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're right. It is unfortunate that so many people are doing that, but maybe they'll hear this and they'll hear what you said and they'll, they'll change some of that and they'll take a breath and just try to build relationships and build that world around their business so they can be more successful. So thanks yeah. for that. Sure. Wow. Well, this was great. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you and what you've got going on, please? 
Absolutely. You can find me on my website, 12.5, and that's the number one, two, and then 0.5 spelled out, dot com. I also have a couple of diversity masterminds cohorts. It's an eight-week class where people who are newly certified can find out what that means to make the most of it and develop a roadmap and plan to do that. And um, the, the upcoming cohorts are listed at diversitymasterminds.com. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll have to share that. Okay, that is so great. Thank you for that, and thank you for spending time with all of us. Oh, thank you, and Diane. That's great. I, I'm, I'm just so thrilled you were here. And listeners, seriously, great information. So take a piece of it, at least, and do something. If you are in any diverse category, take it and do something with it because there's real value there. There's set-asides, there's opportunities uh, in a number of ways. So do yeah. something, right? Yes. As we say, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to thank our sponsor, Audible.com. Uh, to get a free trial of Audible.com as well as a free audiobook, just go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Right, I think that was good enough. I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> so, no, right.